Reading today from Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 13. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. For it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We're in the uh, book of Romans. We're in the book of Romans and uh, enjoying the book of Romans. I hope you, you are enjoying the book of Romans as well. Are you guys enjoying the book of Romans? Yes, it's fantastic. If you weren't sure about that, I'm hoping you're going to say yes from now on. Uh, we're coming to the end of the book of Romans. We are in this final series called Followers of Jesus. And as we're in the final series of Followers of Jesus, we, had, we looked at the idea of uh, being a follower of Jesus in the church. Uh, we looked at the idea of being a follower of Jesus in the community. Now we're looking at the idea of being a follower of Jesus in the mission here. Uh, this is what we're looking at today. Um, let me ask you this. How many things, how many things are you absolutely certain about? I mean, if you could say definitively, we're, I just feel like this is absolutely, I am certain about this. Would you say 50 things you could list off? Uh, 20, 10, 5, 1, Zero. All right, yeah, see, some of, us, uh, some of us really live kind of in a very black and white lifestyle where it's just like, yes, my granddad, my grandmother, she said so, therefore I believe it's done, it's really easy for me. Some of us live in the lifestyle of where it's like, I like yes, I like no, I like in between, I love that kind of relativity, that kind of unknown, and so there's no real kind of definitive, I'm just kind of like living in that tension all the time. Uh, let's be honest, it's actually much easier to decide uh, what is definitively right for someone else, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, for ourselves, it's kind of hard, but to decide for someone else is much easier. But for ourselves, sometimes it's a little bit difficult inside there. And, and it's just easier this way because we don't have to be inside the situation. 
Becky and I, my wife and I, we have, uh, we have some friends in England, um, believe it or not. Um, so we have some friends in England who are both medical practitioners, and uh, one of them, their job uh, is to actually help people to make the decision of how to end their life well. And the other one, their job is to make sure that they never end their life, to do everything in their power to make sure they can save their life and keep them alive, right? Can you imagine the interesting conversations that that couple has? in their life, right? What do we do about the dilemmas? How do they make those choices? How do you decide? How do you decide? How do you decide what is the right way forward about that with all the types of policies and principles that you can have in your life? We have them for doctors. We have them for lawyers so that the jury can determine what is reasonable doubt. We have them for CEOs and CFOs and COOs. We have them for human resource directors so we know how to hire and fire people. We have lots of policies, and we like policies when it comes to inanimate subjects, right? You know, like uh, insurance or a car warranty. It's great. But when it becomes a policy about humans, it's very difficult. <laughs> Because then we would prefer to have a little bit more flexibility. And we'd like to have a little bit more grace inside there. Because human beings are really, really complex. And we're kind of trying to work that out all the time. If anything, we'd love it to be a little bit more open all the time. It's very difficult because sometimes we're trying to make hard decisions. And hard decisions hit us all the time. I mean, let's say you had to make a difficult decision. And difficult decisions like this, like, would you get a cat, a dog, or a kangaroo. I'm not even talking about a real one, of course. I mean, because everybody knows you wouldn't get any of those. Just, just a stuffed one. I mean, that's just a very simple decision. Nobody gets a real cat or a dog. I mean, that's just hard work. Um, but I mean, if you're going to choose a major or a career, I mean, how do you decide what that's going to be? And, and then who are you going to marry? Yeah, yeah, difficult choices. I don't know, you know? These are things that we have to decide. Following Jesus and being in the mission, following Jesus and being in the mission. Tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon at 6 p.m. in the evening, actually, we're going to have uh, our business meeting. Our business meeting as a church is where we ask everybody to kind of gather together. Is that Miguel? Miguel, you just turned up. Uh, what time is it now? 10.03. Oh, well, welcome. I know you came from California, but uh, that's great, brother, that you're here. That's fantastic. Miguel used to help us lead worship. He's moved away. I just wanted to highlight that he's just arrived at the church right now at 10.03. It's like he forgot when church starts. But uh, Miguel, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Visiting is good. So, you, uh, and this is just a gentle reminder that you should turn up on time. Mm. <laughs> Tomorrow we're going to have our business meeting and uh, we're going to discuss mission, obviously, because mission has implications. It affects where we prioritize and place our finances, and the finances are attached to mission. So I hope you come and join us for that. And if you haven't got the agenda, remember it's on the table over there. But as followers of Jesus, are we aligned in our mission with what Jesus has for us? I wonder if it has to be terrifying, terrifying, the elements of freedom when God gives it to us. Not terrifying for God, but terrifying for us. Because if you think about it, what if, what if we're wrong? What if we as followers of Jesus, what if we're off point on our mission? What if we, we claim to be a follower of Jesus, right? <laughs> and which is what we're supposed to do. And, and we do something, we make a decision, but then it's not really what Jesus was calling us to do. But we went full speed in that direction and it wasn't the right thing. What does that do to the mission? What does that do to the character of God? 
the Apostle Paul understood this deeply. And he didn't understand it fully when he was Saul, remember? Because he was violently persecuting people. It says in Acts chapter 9, verses 4 to 5, And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. So much so, so much so, that Saul did not understand persecuting people was persecuting Jesus. Persecuting people was persecuting Jesus. The stories that Jesus had shared so many times reminded them, hadn't really sunk inside Paul's life, Saul's life at this time. He didn't understand Matthew 25, 37, 40, where it says, then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit? And the king will answer and say, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. That's why in Romans 15, verse 1, that you heard Robin reading earlier, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And being in the mission, being in the mission is about others. It's about being generous. It's about thinking of someone else and not about yourself. A few verses later, Romans 15, 7, he says, therefore welcome one another as Christ is welcoming you for the glory of God. He says, this is actually what we do. This is how we live. We, to be in the mission, we actually are supposed to be an open community, welcoming everyone, singing with one voice underneath Jesus Christ, proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God has arrived and it's not a kingdom of man or of women. It is not a kingdom of humanity. It is a kingdom of God that actually unites us. But we have ignored the mission. You know, we've ignored it many times. We dare to call ourselves followers of Jesus, but we ignore the mission more than we like to admit. And the problem is is that uh, sometimes we think it's somebody else's story, and somebody else has ignored the mission, and it's not us. But I believe that we, together, collectively, have ignored the mission, because their story is our story. It is our narrative. In our silence and our apathy, we have been part of the genocide that Christianity has actually been part of. When the early church struggled to accept women and struggled to accept Gentiles, which is what Paul was constantly raving on about, when Emperor Constantine embraced the name of Jesus Christ and embraced a follower, embraced Jesus, who, by the way, was tortured and killed and then made the empire torture and kill others. So he says, let me follow this guy, Jesus, who was tortured and killed, and then let me go torture and kill people. Entirely opposite. When for the next thousand years, the Christian church amassed power and wealth and pillaged and plundered and raped people all over the empire. When Christopher Columbus, who was a double agent working against Portugal and Spain against each other, um, when he, under the direct leadership of the church, went out to all sorts of places and damaged people all over the place. He went to Haiti in the Dominican Republic in 1495. He captured 1,600 people, captured, put them on the ships. He referred to them as cargo. And this is what he says in one of his journals. It is possible with the name of the Holy Trinity to sell all the slaves which it is possible to sell. Here, there are so many of these slaves. Although they are living things, they are as good as gold. 
He would offer girls as young as nine years old as sex slaves to his staff. This is Christopher Columbus. In 1552, Dominican friar Bartolome de las Casas wrote about Spanish Christians. With my own eyes, I saw Spaniards cut off the nose, hands, and ears of Indians, males and females, without provocation, merely because it pleased them to do so. And so the quote will continue. Later, he was to record, we can estimate very truly and truthfully that in 40 years that passed, with the infernal actions of the Christians, there have been an unjustly slain more than 12 million men and women and children. In truth, I believe, without trying to deceive myself, that the number of slain is more like 15 million people. How is that even possible, right? That we would call ourselves followers of Jesus in the mission. It didn't get better. It hasn't got better always. The abuse of Native Americans, the Sand Creek Massacre, three hours drive from where we are here in Colorado, the enslavement of African people, the oppression of anyone who is different. And this is so far off the mark of who Jesus Christ is, of who God the Father is, of who the Holy Spirit is. And yet it's the opposite of it. How is that even possible to say that this is the mission? Can we... Can we reclaim the name of Jesus? Can we? Can we reclaim the name of Jesus? Or has it gone too far? Can we reclaim the name of Christianity? Or is it just an anathema to us and to other people to say to someone, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. And people are like, oh, horrified. Oh my goodness, that's disgusting. Or can you reclaim that name and say yes? Can we reclaim the name of our tribe, Adventism? and enjoy that? Can we reclaim the name of our church here in Boulder for all the sins that our church has done and all the wrongs that our church has done? Can we reclaim that name? Can we even reclaim the name of our school, Vista Ridge Academy, for all the things that it's done wrong and say, yes, it is ours? And here's the thing. Can we reclaim our own name, Japheth de Oliveira, my name, can I say that I am a follower of Jesus for all the things that I've done wrong? Can you look at a person knowing the things they've done wrong and still say that they're a follower of Jesus? Would you be a follower of Jesus if you know all the things that someone's done wrong? It's tough when we do things wrong. Even so, when we profess and we wish to uphold the responsibility to be in the mission, right? And we cause so much pain to the name of Jesus Christ and to the cause. Yesterday, with all the fires in Northern California, I've been talking to uh, my brothers and a group of us who are on a text, a group text together about the loss, and we've been praying through this because we know so many people out there. And I watched beautiful moments online and uh, texts flying all over the place about people offering you know, free counseling services and all sorts of support that they can do, food and so on. But I got this uh, text. I removed the names from this text uh, so that uh, to protect uh, the identity of some people. So here's the first part of the text. Um, you can place your own name inside there. Um, you could say Reichschneider family lost three homes in paradise parents, sisters, and brothers. And they called Weimar to ask for shelter. Weimar is a, wait, 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 go back. They called Weimar 
to ask for shelter. We as a health institute out in California, because this family, just one example, lost all of their homes and everything, and said, hey, can you help us out? And uh, Weimar is a health institute and educational institute out there. And uh, they were told plenty of room, including a lodge with, uh, with 30 beds, but only open to Adventists. They do not want drinking or smoking on the campus. And then they will reply, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty? or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you will be refusing to help me. Will Jesus turn around and say, I don't know you. I gave you those talents, and you buried them. You found a great excuse not to get involved. You found a great excuse not to be engaged. You found a great excuse not to support the mission of the church because you're ticked off with something. You're upset about something. You're not happy about something. And whatever it was, you held back. You have a bigoted view. You became something else, and you said no. And it was no longer about the mission. It was no longer about the kingdom of God. It was no longer about what God had called you to do. Your prayers, your resources, your skills, and your time all vanished away. And what you did is, you got a hole in the ground, and you buried your two talents into the ground. You know the story I'm talking about in the Bible. And Jesus will come around and say, why'd you bury it? I gave you two to invest it, to build the kingdom of God. My brother and fellow followed Jesus, Alex, was on this group text, and his imply on the text was this. He said, do they need space? We have space. Give them my number to text. We all hit up on the text straight away with the little heart emojis, right? Because it's beautiful, right? So we're there. Then Sam, Sam, you know, he's ever so wise and so loving. He said, well, uh, you better consult Nicole. This is no joke. It's a lot of people we're talking about here. Alex wrote back, uh, give me a sec. And uh, it was literally a few seconds later, he said, Nicole's good to go. Uh, you see, my friends, people who follow Jesus, um, they can't help themselves. Uh, they simply have to love somebody else, right? There's no barriers. There's no conditions. It's about mission. And it just becomes so simple. It's not a difficult decision. You don't have to have a policy, you don't have to have a principle, you don't have to have it documented, you don't have to think, is this a hard decision, do I understand, what does it really entail? So when you follow Jesus Christ, it's simple to actually love somebody else, it's simple to invest your time and your prayer and your resources and your energy, you're just driven by this because you're like, it's worthy to care for somebody else. People get this. Being in the mission is not hard when you're really in sync with Jesus. So what I'm going to share with you now, what I'm going to share with you now is just a, a beautiful Holy Spirit moment. Every week, I'm, I'm in conversations with people, or having Bible studies with people, um, groups or individuals. And uh, if you want to know what some of them are like, what some of the Bible studies are like, you can go to our website, boulder.church forward slash Bible. And there's several options inside there. One of those is called Reset. Reset, all right? And so uh, every Friday morning, um, Shannon and I, we meet at 6 o'clock, and uh, Friday morning, we, we are going through the Reset Bible Study. This is where we take the book Steps to Christ and the Bible, 
And as we read through the book, Steps of Christ, we stop every time there's a Bible text and we read the context. It's phenomenal. It's really inspiring. So I never told Shannon this until yesterday. I said to her, I'm going to tell you something that's been going for months, and I, I do this with everybody with Bible studies, and it's just one of the wonderful ways that God speaks to me, and I just wanted to let you know how God speaks to me so that you can start to see how God speaks to you as well because I want you to start to connect these dots, all right? Uh, it's just a, it's a wonderful thing that happens. So here's the thing. Months ago, months ago, long time ago, we chose this text. It was over 15 months ago that we even chose the book of Romans, and then months ago, we chose the passage and the series title. Months ago, we chose, oh, we looked at the Paul and the passage, and we said, what's it about? Well, it's about Romans, this particular section. It's about community, followings of Jesus. And we said, what's this particular passage focus? Well, it must be this. And we said, it is in the mission. We wrote it all down. This is all decided back then. I did not decide when we were going to study this particular chapter in Steps to Christ, when this particular section was going to come up. In fact, we had to cancel last Friday, two Fridays ago, and so all of it is just timing of how the calendar works out. I kid you not, we open up the book Steps to Christ, we're on page 235. We're reading this book, page 235, and this is what it says. The Church of Christ is God's appointed agency for the salvation of men. Its mission, what? Its mission is to carry the gospel to the world. And the obligation rests upon all Christians. Everyone, to the extent of his talent and opportunity, is to fulfill the Savior's commission. And it's like, it's like God knew that I wanted to know what the answer was for our mission. <laughs> and he said, you know what? I think you're going to have a Bible study at 6 o'clock. The day before you're going to be preaching on the subject, I'll just tell you. <laughs> it's okay. I know you've got a lot of stuff going on. You may not have a lot of time. It's okay. I'll give it to you. <laughs> So I said to Shannon, I said, this happens all the time. Every time I do a Bible study, every time I'm in a conversation, I kid you not, the Word of God is applied in my life, in somebody else's life. It just works like this all the time. That's not enough. I literally go from that appointment, and I go meet with, uh, with two other people straight away, right afterwards, and I, I'm just sitting down having breakfast um, straight afterwards, and I go and meet Nathan and, and uh, Shannon, and we're going to talk about them. They're sitting over there. He's got this uh, rather, is that a lilac shirt? The, li the light is perplexing my eyes there. I'm kind of like confused by that. But I go meet Nathan and Shannon. There we're talking about them coming and joining Bold and becoming members here at the church. And as I'm talking to them, I literally, I said to them, stop a second. I'm going to have to run out and go get my copy of the Steps to Christ, because I just read something inside there this morning that just speaks into your life as well. And then I run back and I read to you about, about how God is calling us to be involved and engaged. It was literally just like it spoke to them as well. God has a way through the Spirit to talk to us about mission because it is just so straightforward. We just have to be able to be open to respond. We have so many friends all over the world and so many people that we know. Becky and I have some friends, Tim and Megan Williams, who live in California. Around midnight last night, Megan posted online. She said, next, and this is the house that she was talking about. She said, next week we were going to move into our dream home, our forever home, that's what she said. Um, in the community where Tim works for Adventist Health, Feather River, we had planned it all out. Amazingly, our house still stands, but it is not the same house it was two days ago. Because two days ago, it was the house we were going to raise our kids in. It was a community where we were going to start Lincoln at kindergarten next year. It was a church we were planning on becoming part of. And two days ago, it was really, really something. But today, well, it's pretty much gone, but it's not nothing. Today, that community and school and church were growing into are mostly gone. 
but they are paradise strong. And you know what? We could have moved there last week, but we didn't. We could have, but we didn't. We could have already bought that house, but we haven't, but almost not quite. And look at this picture of our home and our dream, and it's gone. And even as I see it there, it's gone, and there's nothing to go home, and it breaks my heart. My dreams feel dead, but I'm incredibly grateful and humbled, and I can let this dream go. It wasn't real. Yet I've been waiting 10 years for this. But God kept on saying, not yet. Not yet, just wait. We have a few friends who've lost their homes and everything they had, everything gone. And I've shed so many tears today, she said. It's just been unreal, not for me, not for my silly perceived loss. I've had to check myself and put myself in place. Tim came home from working a 12-hour day and told my mom and I a story about a mom who had delivered a three-week-old preemie baby at a hospital the night before the fires had hit. The morning of the fires, a hospital staff person threw this girl with her preemie baby into the back of his car to help her to evacuate. She couldn't move, and she had just had a C-section, so she was completely dependent on this stranger for help. She was in the back of this car, and they were trying to get out, and her father called, and the driver of the car stopped in the massive traffic jam, and he just got out of the car and he ran. And while all of this happened, she was on the phone with her dad, bawling about being left in the car with a baby and helpless and unable to move. And they were having trouble breathing. And she was telling her dad that she's putting the mask on her baby, on the baby's face, worried if she can keep her baby alive. Her dad kept on talking to her to keep her calm. And then he calmed her down, and then he hung up on her, then he called everyone he knew, said, you've got to pray for her. He didn't know where she was, where she was left in his traffic. And a little while later, she called her dad, telling her that the driver had come back. He'd come back to get her and the baby when most of the others had just ran away. He had worked out a way to save them. And he made his way to this hospital in Chico where they met up with the father and eventually everyone got checked. And they were okay and they were safe. The driver of the car was a hospital employee sacrificing himself, putting himself in harm's way for the lives. Tim read the story, she said, just bawling the entire time. She said, I sat there listening, tears streaming down my own face. I've lost what I thought was my dream. But this girl almost lost everything. And the only thing that matters sometimes is a heartbeat. There's so many small stories like this, just like this one. People doing amazing, heroic things. People who we are talking about people putting others first. These are catastrophes and devastating. But what it comes from, all of this chaos, when there is no understanding of where to go forward, when there is nothing left, there is hope. There is always hope. And this is what Paul says in Romans 13, 15. He says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may be bound in hope I am tired of us not understanding how simple our mission is. Aren't you? 
I'm tired of us not getting it and being stubborn and being stubborn and selfish because we don't understand the mission. Get out, leave, be gone. Get thee behind me, Satan. Go repent. Get yourself sorted out. Go talk to God. Get your life sorted out. I am a broken human being and you're a broken human being and we all need God. And God's called us to do one thing, to love the sheep. That's our mission. That's our mission. It's just to love the sheep. And there are more important things for us to do. And that's all it comes down to. And we've got to find a better way to do it, my friends. We've got to find a better way to do it. The only ones that are going to unite us together, not going to be our brands, not going to be our logo, not going to be our saying, not going to be our words. It's going to be the name of Jesus. He's the only one that's going to unite, unite us together. So I'm asking you to spend more time with God in prayer. Spend more time with God in repentance and confession. And reunite yourself with him because when you do, our mission will fly. <laughs>